Welcome back to From Living in Silence to Living Out Loud. I'm your host, Tally Dolge. Today we're going to dive into a conversation that most of us in our lifetime will either deal with personally or of course know someone in this capacity. Our topic today will be surrounding mental health in the workplace and changing the conversation surrounding mental wellness. This is a conversation that I personally had many sleepless nights over and had many days where I didn't know if I was gonna be able to make it into work. So I've seen firsthand some workplaces that have done some incredible things to support mental health and wellness and their staff and leadership. I have also seen some extremely dehumanizing and discriminatory practices as well. But today, we're gonna focus on how we can improve the system and get workers the right resources they need to be healthy and productive and feel supportive and heard. Since we spend such a large majority of our time in the workplace, this conversation is really long overdue. So I'm so excited to have my first two guests who are not only leaders in the San Antonio community, but also don't shy away to discuss conversations, changing the way that we view mental health and wellness in the workplace. Full disclosure, these are two of my favorite people. And every time I have a conversation with them, I get more excited because of their tr transparency and their authenticity. These two incredible women are leaders in their industry and will bring to light some of the ways that mental health impacts their organizations that they represent. The best part is that they're never afraid to have tough conversations, and I'm really excited for that. So today, we have Marina Gonzalez, CEO of the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber, and Jamie Kowalski, Vice President of Corporate Relations at the RK Group. But before we get into this conversation, I'd like to give you a brief understanding of what we're looking at surrounding mental health in the workplace. 63% of people are a part of the workplace globally. More than a trillion dollars is lost annually and over 12 billion working days are lost due to mental illness. The World Health Organization stated in 2019 that 15% of the workplace is living with a mental health challenge. This was before COVID, let me remind you. So we still don't have the full scope of what's going on since COVID. COVID triggered a 25% increase in generalized anxiety and depression worldwide. Yet, we're still stigmatizing mental health in the workplace. The World Health Organization and International Labor Organization have called for concrete action plans to address mental health concerns in workers. So, some of the biggest challenge that, challenges that workers are facing surrounding mental health in the workplace are discrimination, bullying, inequality, loss of responsibility, alienation, physiological violence, and harassment. So as I said in my first podcast, 
we've come a long way surrounding the conversation surrounding mental health and wellness. But this is an area that continues to hide their challenges for fear of repercussions. So what can we do differently? Hopefully, we can begin this conversation today. OK, so I'm going to start this conversation with a scenario, because I kind of want us all on an equal playing field. And also, I really want to bring the audience in to understanding mental health and also showing how normalized it is in a conversation. So let's just say that it's been a month, and your anxiety has been at an all-time high. You've had more on your plate than you could have ever imagined in the workplace. And now your boss wants you to come back full time to the workplace. And you're really, really not feeling like yourself. You're having difficulty sleeping, eating, and just keeping up with your daily life. It feels as if sometimes you're just going through the motions. It's come to a point where you think about when you go into work that you just get sick to your stomach and you start to feel stressed or anxious. You decide to finally use a sick day because going into the office is something that just doesn't seem possible today. So you have a hope um, that this day of rest will renew your strength to get back to the office. So the next morning rolls around and you did not sleep again, again, the night before. And you can't just bring yourself to go. What do you do now? Is there someone at work that you could talk to? Do you feel, if this is brought up, do you feel that this employee would be looked at differently by leadership? This is a scenario that affects so many. And we talk about burnout rate. Burnout is what's happening at every level and at a pace that we can't seem to get ahead of, and our mental health is suffering. So let me ask my guest, Jamie, we're going to go with you first. How would you suggest that an employee should address their leadership over a mental health and wellness concern like this one? And my second question that follows that is, do you think leadership will listen and not penalize the employee for bringing this to life? It's a difficult scenario for anyone um, to to be as open and honest to have that conversation, knowing that living in that fear of of being stigmatized. Um, I would hope in this situation that the employer is someone that you can be open and honest with to say, "This is what I'm struggling with, and let's figure out a way that we can we can help that." Um, but. It's overall just giving someone that space to be able to have that conversation and voice their concerns should be the striving for every employer and every, in every leadership position is knowing that you can have an employee that can come to you and say, I am struggling, I need your help, and how can we fix this? Um, and still be productive and still come into work or, or take care of the job that, you are, that you're doing so that you can feel productive and bring home the paycheck or whatever it might be. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think that this is something that a lot of people are grappling with on, on a daily basis. Marina, what about you? 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, this scenario is, is heartbreaking. I think so many of us have either seen an employee or colleague go through that or maybe going through it ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to be very cognizant of that. Um, it is our job as leaders to create a welcoming environment. And to Jamie's point, uh, as leaders, I would hope that when you back up into the policies and procedures that you have as an employer, that those support this type of scenario in a healthy and productive way. It is to no one's benefit to push your employees into burnout or to not support them through a hardship, just as they would with any other illness that they might or ailment that they may, may have. For example, gosh forbid that the scenario was this person was in a car accident and broke their leg and couldn't drive to work, right? They didn't have the ability physically, so you had to make an accommodation and say, you know what, work for home while you, while you are uh, recuperating physically. To me, I view it the same. Mental health should be viewed in the same light that if you're struggling, we need to be able to address it as such, but we also need to respect the employee's privacy. So for me, the scenario first and foremost is, have I created a welcoming environment in which we can have the conversation, a rapport and respect, a mutual of respect, um, respecting environment to where this employee knows if they come to me in confidence, and share what they are comfortable sharing, right? Not me pushing for answers or asking or violating HIPAA laws. Let's think about that for a moment. I'm <laughs> sure we'll, we'll chat about that <laughs> too. Um, but that's the most important is when, when you're talking about what's going on right now in the workplace, which in so many ways, COVID has wrecked so many lives, right? And it's really turned our world upside down, but it's also created opportunities, right? Where this has made this, this has pushed it to the forefront that's been bubbling for years, you know, kind of boiling for years and hasn't really come to the surface and it forced it to the surface, the conversation about mental health and workplace uh, environment. Absolutely. So, Jamie, have you seen the conversation around mental health and wellness change since COVID? I mean, you have been working, um, of course, in an incredible company with a lot of people who have continued and have not been virtual. So has something changed? I think that there has been a shift and in, in, in a move toward more uh, understanding. And, and like Marina said, those policies and procedures can always be updated and, and analyzed and worked through. Um, but, you know, we're in a business of celebration. That's what we what we want to do is to celebrate from, from birth to death, we always say. Um, so there are those, everything in between, we celebrate have events on the weekends, events on holidays. So that idea of burnout is even more prevalent yeah. without COVID being uh, involved with it. So giving those times and, um, and opportunities to have the conversations and or um, have those breaks, take your time. I know you're gonna work on a holiday but maybe the next holiday you don't you don't have to work, or we have more time commitment to January or in the summertime to give you a little bit more of a break um, to not push you to it. <laughs> yeah, and I can't out. wait till we get into the conversation about work-life balance because I don't think anybody knows <laughs> no it, and I don't think one. the women at this table know it that well. So we're going to talk about that. But Marina, why do you think employers are nervous or intimidated? to bring up the topic surrounding mental health and wellness in the workplace now? 
Yeah, I think there's, I would answer that in two parts. One with my attorney hat on, which is we're always cognizant of, of, as employers as the risk to the, uh, monitoring the risk to the company that you're running or responsible. Whatever your respective role is, you've got to make sure you're protecting the organization and protecting what you're all striving um, to accomplish there. And so I think there's probably some fear there of not knowing where those boundaries are, of what you can ask, what you should be asking, what you should not be asking, um, what may create a hostile or a discriminatory environment, for example, by asking the question. Um, and I think that we, we've, um, it's come to light m uh, more now in terms of dealing with, for example, an employee that's pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So we've kind of gotten a, a little bit further in that conversation as to what's acceptable and not. Right, and, and I would think that maybe has happened over the last 20, 30 years. Now, we still have work to do, and, and I know that's a separate topic, but I use that as an example to say, if we were willing to figure out where those boundaries are, we need to do the same here with this topic, because it's all gonna come down to the health and wellness of your employee. And as employers, you've got to put those people first, right? That, I mean, that's, that's why we're here, and, and the best of us leaders are gonna try to do that. So I, I think that um, number one, it's fear, right? It's it's not it's the unknown, mm -hmm. and then number two, it's probably what that that individual leader is personally comfortable with sharing. They may not be on their own journey of mental health or understand have that self awareness, yeah. right? So they may not be able to identify in another person that they are struggling or know how to approach that. They may have grown up in a home where you didn't talk about your feelings, right? You just mm -hmm. stuffed it down or, hey, don't worry about it, or, hey, you're at work, this is not a place for that, where they had this dichotomy or they've compartmentalized to the point where it's hard for, for that self-reflection to occur in order to be able to show up present as a leader to see that in others as a component of taking care of your employees. Yeah. So I, I would answer that in two parts. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit as leaders about being self-reflective during this period of time. Um, do you find that to be something new in the workplace, um, Jamie, like that, that leaders have now have to have the opportunity to say, how am I doing? Like, what is, what am I, you know, what am really looking at themselves where I think before COVID, I'm going to say very candidly that I think a lot of us were like, go, 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 and not have a moment to think about ourselves in the way we're reflected to our employees. So I, I come from a unique perspective because I was also a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teacher before mm -hmm. I got into this. So uh, sharing my feelings um, is something that I'm, I'm used to doing <laughs> or, or, or just being opened up. So I take that experiences that I had at that level and, and translate into my leadership now. Um, so I am very open and transparent with like, I, I am struggling today and it's okay to not be okay. Um, and that might be unique for some of the, uh, some other leaders. And I know that we have several across the board that are like, no, 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 we just, you know, like you said, don't share that. That's not something how we were brought up. Um, but I always try to go into a, um, a conversation very open and honest. And to Marina's point, when you say like, I also need to know those boundaries and say, I can't overstep. That's mm -hmm. where I don't want to start asking questions that may be too personal that would cause there to be any kind of concern of discrimination and or 
discomfort, discomfort, yeah. right? I don't, I don't want to do that, but I, I am a habitual oversharer, so I, it does. <laughs> well, I love, I love that about you, and I think, I think that's why we, we all get along so well. But Marina, I mean, really, what does this look like for you in the workplace to have, you know? to have to be vulnerable. I mean, look, vulnerable is, is a yes. really fun thing that I know that a lot of us don't like to talk about, but is it something that has to happen in order to connect? I, I believe so, yes. My personal philosophy is yes. As a leader, I do, I, there's many great books out there on it, obviously, and I, if, if any of you are nerds like we are here, I know we all read them. Um, but let's take Brene Brown, right? Very popular book, kind of uh, took that to the forefront, made it um, very much attainable on how vulnerability is powerful, right? And I, in my own leadership journey in my early 20s, starting out managing a smaller group, I thought that the two were separate, right? I thought the emotions did not equate to professionalism, right? That if you, those two met, that you weren't doing it, your, your job well, that you were making it you know, too personal or about yourself or about the feelings of what's going on there. But we are no longer able to, um, to uh, think that we can act that way, right? And, and when I, you know, coming into a more vulnerable place, I, like you, Jamie, have, um, in leading a group or in being in these roles, have found that the most powerful component of building any team, regardless of, of just a, a very high-performing team, at the core of it is vulnerability, is an openness, because that's where creativity flows. That's the, you know a lot of basis of what Brene Brown says, but unless you have the ability to do that and reach people and build that rapport, then you will have employees scared or concerned to come to you with their problems. So that's where it starts, is do I have a rapport with this person where they're gonna feel safe, where I've created this environment where they can come in and close the door and say, hey, I gotta share this with you, I'm struggling. Well, to that point, 12-year-olds and 25, 30, 40, 50-year-olds are all pretty much the same, right? Yeah, like they, they need are. to know that they can approach their Absolutely. leader Absolutely. in a way that is is going to be listened to and mm-hmm. going to be respected and in doing that you have to be well, with that wonderful comment, um, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. All right, welcome back to From Living in Silence to Living Out Loud. Now we're just going to get started again. Um, Really, I want to start to address mental health, the way we address physical health in the workplace. This is something that is long overdue, but um, is something that's still not being done correctly. Uh, Again, it's Marina based on the fear that you had discussed, but what are some things in some ways that we can start putting mental health on the same playing field as we do physical health? So again, giving you an example of this is if we have somebody who works for us, who has been diagnosed, God forbid, with cancer, the way we handle that in the workplace is with such love and compassion, and we really show up for that person. But what happens when you have somebody come in and they're honest and open and say, you know what, I've been dealing with depression. I haven't been able to get out of bed the way I used to. What does that look like, and why are we not looking at it 
in similar circumstances as if somebody was telling you the same compassion. I think that's the big word here. Are we being compassionate towards people with mental health? So Marina, I would like to start with you. Yeah, absolutely. So this, this I think is where it starts, right? Those conversations, but also the approach and how we're viewing mental health. It, were, it should be, it's, it is physical health. Your brain is part of your body. Right? And I, that's the argument that's been made, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I've also, you know, seen many a struggle in my personal life and family life and um, and work life uh, with mental health issues. So there's, you know, there should be compassion. I can't answer why other people don't see it. You know, for me, that's that's really more that self-reflection piece. I think there will always be some people that maybe just don't get it just in the way that there are some people that won't be compassionate to a coworker that does have cancer. Maybe they think, well, you know what, you work here, you should get your work done, period. There's always gonna be a group of people that think that. So I think we focus on the positive and we focus with who we can work with, which is I, I do think the majority of people. And now, like I mentioned with pandemic, giving the opportunity to open that door, now's the time to do it, right? Let's, this important conversation, which I wanna thank you for not only having us here today, um, but for having this topic front and center, because it's these conversations here and the people listening that are going to hopefully take that and take it to the next level. And I want to, I, I know you, you have um, your question. I wanted to, to touch on kind of how you address it first, which is that environment in your work, your work environment. The easiest way from my opinion is where to start. Look at your employee handbook. What does that say? What does that say? Are you requiring people to give you a doctor's note every time they're out for an extra hour? You know, if, are you requiring after a three-day leave that they explain to you why? Are you that type of leader that wants to know why or maybe you're being a little nosy? Because the way I think is a healthy approach, and I'm no HR expert, so and I'm not giving you know, HR advice, but I'm giving my experience and what I've found to work best for, for our employee, my team members and who I've worked with, is maybe you don't have particular designations for why people are in and out of the office. Why are we still doing this? Why are we saying this is a sick day versus a vacation day versus a paid time off day versus a holiday versus, versus a mental health versus day? A <laughs> mental so in other, in other words, mm -hmm. instead of requiring that we add mental health day as a component, why don't we just have paid time off and let that employee feel comfortable using it as they see fit as an adult? Right? And, and if you hire people that do abide by the mutual respect and are a good member of that environment that you've created and aren't going to abuse those policies for any reason, then you won't ha also have to ask those questions that would get you in potential trouble from a HIPAA perspective or, or won't get you into an uncomfortable conversation for your employee that you're asking them why they're coming in and out of the office. That's how I handle yeah. it. I think removing some of the barriers that come with mental health, um, uh, just in general, um, is is giving access and opportunity to um, to be able to go and get help. Yeah. Um, so one thing that we've done, and knowing that the hospitality industry mm -hmm. has high rates of um, abuse and substance abuse. Um, one thing that we've been working, I've been working with my HR team to try to combat that is to bring in nonprofits that, um, that have space and know how to handle, especially in the hospitality industry, but also the, that, um, um, addiction side that to bring them to the office once a month 
so that you do not now have to take time off, travel to the doctor's office. You are able to meet, they can meet you where you're at. That's and and it's I a, love it's a, that. it was, it's, it's something I that we're still that. in the works of doing, mm-hmm. but we want to start to remove those boundaries yeah. that come with that. So you may have, uh, have received a cancer diagnosis right. or you've lost a friend or you are suffering with alcoholism yeah. and you just need someone to talk to. Recently, we just had a, a, a former employee and, and he's been with us or was with us for many, many years, struggled with alcoholism, had um, a lot of other issues. And again, those are things that we, we as an employer try to help with, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's really hard mm-hmm. to do that. He recently passed away mm-hmm. in a battle with his addiction. And we have come together as a community of our of our peers, of our family, of our friends to help out him and his family. But the conversation that I had with one of our chefs is he's like, why didn't we know? Why didn't we do more? Mm-hmm. How did how should we have said something? And I was like, if we start playing that woulda, shoulda, coulda game, mm-hmm. that's when we'll 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 suffer, I guess, and, and just make ourselves feel worse about it. But at the same time, if we had had those those barriers removed for him so that he knew that it was a safe environment for him to go and talk to someone, mm-hmm. and maybe we would still have him alive today, yeah. you know? Yeah. And unfortunately, we can't, you know, back to the future and sure. <laughs> jump in a, a, a time machine. But um, but moving forward, we can, we can see those problems, meet them head on, and fix them yeah. for the future. And probably do something different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's really what we're looking at right now is what can you do differently and what you just said about really taking a nonprofit that may have the understanding on the outside and having them come in and just having a discussion and having a conversation that's so great that's a new way of doing things we can't do we can't things do the that. same way we, we just can't. we just we just can't, can't. and no, a lot of the times like mm-hmm. from coming from education go talk to hr yeah. Go talk to a counselor. We have them there, but that's not what their specialization is in. Yeah. And I can, you know, as, as a teacher, go and talk to our counselor. Or as a, an employee, go talk to my HR. Um, but but they're really like, well, we've got your benefits package and everything yeah, put right. together. Here's a 1-800 number. number. But you're still going to have to take time off of work. You're still going to have to go and travel. And, and, and so let's, as a collective, kind of start to have that conversation, you're right, to remove those barriers. You're bringing the resource to to the workplace, which is huge. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you both is about new resources. What Mm -hmm. are the resources that you're providing now? And then what would you also want to bring into the workplace? Jamie, you're doing something really new and exciting. And I'm so so proud of you. I think that's amazing. That's so cool. Uh, Well, you know, at the Hispanic Chamber, obviously, we we are the hub for resources for many small businesses in our community, and particularly those that are either run by or employ uh, a majority of Hispanics. And given that we're in San Antonio, that's most businesses here, right? And 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 in with the honor of being able to help, um, one of the things we did last year was the Center for Healthcare Services, as a partner of ours, we did um, a lunch and learn on mental health in the workplace. For the first time, you know, we're taking on this topic, 
And again, it's a drop in the bucket of just a step in the right direction, I guess is the best way to say it. But hey, this is not something I would have seen a chamber do 10 years ago, let's just say, for example. You know, we're very much, um, you think of traditionally what we'd focus on is access to capital, economic development, what's going on in our ecosystem from a business perspective, how to get you know grants and loans, all that good stuff. Uh, but we have to go beyond that now because the, the focus has shifted after our uh, great resignation, right? The focus has shifted to the workers, our working environment, and what we can provide in order to retain talented employees or retain dedicated employees that need some help. And I can give an example. I know we're- Please, we're, I would love to hear an example. We were asking about examples. Yeah. I can give an example from a few years ago as a, a CEO at a nonprofit. Um, and, and I had one of my VPs, who high performer, dedicated employee, had been there many, many years before I had joined the team, um, you know, uh, head of her department, all of that good stuff. Also a mom of four kids, uh, married, you know, busy home life. And uh, I noticed about, there was about a month where she started declining in performance, right? And then she started to, uh, her attitude changed at work. She wasn't happy. She was kind of snipping at people. And I started getting complaints from her colleagues that, you know, her attitude was affecting, um, that it was not only, they were more concerned, right? It was different. She was always very happy and go lucky and pleasant. And, and she started becoming more withdrawn and unhappy. And you could tell. Um, and that example, I remember, um, we had a weekly one-on-one. -on -one. So in part of that, at, towards the end of the, the meeting, there's always at the end of my agenda, a resource. Like what do you need to professionally develop or personally develop? What can we work on there? That's just an important component, right? And I remember politely and trying to bring it up in a way, and I even thought of like, okay, how do I bring up this topic with her without offending her or without her looking at me saying, what are you accusing me of? You know, and being defensive and how do I, be vulnerable with her so that she can tell me what's going on or feel comfortable to, to share. And it ended up me saying, in a sense of, hey, I'm concerned. You know, I'm concerned about you. This isn't normal for you. I've been working with you now three years. Your track record's always been X, Y, Z. I'm just noticing this. Is there anything I can do to help? Do you need anything? And it was just a question. If I'm wrong, I apologize but I just am noticing this and I want to be able, I want you to know my door is open and you can talk to me. And you know, she broke down in tears and just finally told me she had lost a family member that was extremely close to her um, and that she had to plan all the funeral arrangements, that it kind of all fell on her as just that she, she was that role, she played that role in her family life. And, and with that, um, she, could, she just was, it was all building up. And I always use the analogy like a game of Tetris, right? Towards the end when it's just all stacking up and you know you're about to hear that, eh, you know, game over, try again. And I felt that for her and she had a bit of release, but she also said, I just can't do it anymore. And so what do you do? You know, the only, what I could do at the time, I said, take the rest of the week off, take it off, take time for you, take care of yourself. Do you need any resources or anything I can do? I mean, obviously you can't book someone's doctor appointment for them and you're not gonna tell them where to go, nor am I qualified to tell people, right, what resources they need. But if they're asking, then we wanna be sure that we can have some sort of pathway to Jamie's point. If we can offer it, then how do we bring it to, how do we make it as easy as possible? That's just one example of checking in with someone, right, that when you notice the performance off versus I think a more punitive approach to performance that I've seen at other 
um, in other working environments, which is, well, your performance is, is uh, dwindling, therefore I'm going to reprimand you. Exactly, right? exactly. But the way you just addressed it was humanizing. humanizing. So humanizing. I was going to bring that up because I know we talked about it before. It's like, mm-hmm. really, if you take that hum- humanization, 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 humanization yeah, approach to, sure. to the way you an employee, approach an employee, you approach... I even say when I'm driving <laughs> and I'm mad at someone, I'm like, okay, maybe they're going through something right now. Let's let's reel instead that, of the road range. that yeah. instead of the road range. It helps. <laughs> oh, me. that's nice, Jamie. I'm glad that somebody <laughs> is like, I'm sorry about the other person driving. No, no, <laughs> I hope you're doing okay. But when you really take into perspective, like everybody knows someone that has been affected by cancer. Everybody knows someone who has been affected by mental illness, we sometimes choose not to see it. So sometimes you just need to say like, okay, well, maybe it was my cousin or my friend or my XYZ that, that was affected by this and have that empathy enough to respect your employee or your employer enough to, to share that. And that was beautiful. I mean, that's, that's the best approach. I, I love that idea. I might steal that from you is just in every performance review, Mm -hmm. what can I do to help you be better? mentally physically and have that again to just have that conversation and there was no blame no and i think where it comes to when we watch somebody shift in personality Mm -hmm. the first thing we do is to say oh my goodness they're just not performing Mm -hmm. so what are some other ways and just what you did right there was have a real transparent conversation and just said i'm worried about you Mm -hmm. so that in itself will also keep that employee engaged and also feel valid and valued. valued. Yeah, like in their in their own struggle. So I I mean this this is exactly what it is. To look at mental health a little differently. To look at the way we have conversations with people. Even our friends and our family these days, we don't know the struggles that people are having. We all have come out of COVID in a different way. Um, and we're changed because of it, whether we want to admit it or not. We have to know that we're changed, and sometimes for the better. Like, I look at us, and I think that there is more compassion in the world. There's more understanding about mental health and wellness, and I'm so proud of those things. But, you know, what other things can we be doing? So I want to take us to just one other thing, and the thing that I want to talk to is work-life balance. I talked about it before. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is no such no, thing. But I mean, I think what we, we, we end up saying these words a lot of the time. We talk about work-life balance. We talk about burnout. We keep saying these things, but do we ever really like explore what that's really about? So, Jamie, if you could talk a little bit about work-life balance for the way that maybe you model behaviors with that, um, I think that's a big thing in the workplace is how leaders model what work-life balance looks like. So talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, and, and it's hard to see the differentiation. So we're in a family-owned business, so it's one of those that life is work and work is life at, at some point. Um, but suggesting and, and, and letting our employees know that it's okay to take your you time. Yes, you want your employee to be the best that they can be. I also want to be the best employee that I can be because I'm working alongside them as well and and going and running and picking up the kids and dropping them off and going to doctor's appointments. And all that is, is, 
what we what we have to do. Yeah. Um, but like you said, giving someone that that vision of you do not have to constantly be blended. You can have that separation. Go home and forget about it for a little bit and then come back to it. I think that's part of the problem with, um, I mean, coming from the education background and from from work here, we are so attached to our phones, right? We're <laughs> yes. so attached to uh, to technology. We're so you're so connected with all of it. Yeah. So it's hard to s- separate the two. I have right. four different email accounts on my phone that I can. Oh wait, they just sent me this. Oh, and uh, I can review it all night long. Right. Um, but you have to be very cognizant and say, I've got to shut this off. And say it's okay if I don't ha- respond to that email right now. Yeah. Although I will respond to it, so I'm sorry, I can't help it. I know. I think, <laughs> but so that that's a really important thing. And I think one of the thing, one of the subjects that I'm going to be addressing in in sub in uh, this podcast to come is technology and mental health because, boy oh boy, please we're so attached. And I'll tell you, I feel so. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it feels like it's it's like my worst enemy and my best friend mm-hmm. having that. So that's that's a big piece of it. It is, it is. But mm-hmm. so, Marina, what yeah. boundaries? I mean, if you're going to talk about work-life balance, what kind of boundaries can you put? Oh, well, boundary is my favorite word. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, look, there's no there's no cookie cutter answer for everyone out there because people are in different industries. Like Jamie's talking about these. Um, maybe non-traditional business hours that you guys have in the event world uh, that could be up to two in the morning, right? They're in a, a wedding or a party for someone. Um, I have uh, uh, this topic. I, I'm glad we're talking about it because I refuse to buy a wa- an Apple watch to go with my <laughs> Apple phone. Uh, I know Jamie's rocking hers I don't, today. I don't have one. Everyone that I know, uh, you know, including family members, have them and they love them and I get the benefits and I've thought about it. And I ultimately decided, no, I do not want one. Um, I, I won't buy one, and it's not because it's not a great product. Don't sue me, Apple, you're fantastic. But I think you're doing okay without my me purchasing one more. Especially in the job that I have right now that I love is in the chamber world, um, you know, it feels like the whole city's got my cell phone number, right? And it should be that way. I'm very accessible. Part of this role is to be accessible, yeah. right? We're here to help businesses. So there are businesses like Jamie's, you know, RK Group's a member. If you guys needed something, we're there. So it is also being responsive, but while also keeping your boundaries and your peace. So what's important to me um, that we try to model, and it's not, nothing's perfect, right? This is not a perfect model, but I also have become more assertive with my boundaries lately, um, which is I've got to tell people how I want to be communicated with and treated, right? So I have, when I onboard a new employee, or when I do my annual um, employee retreat, for example, I have a seven to seven rule. If it's seven in the morning to 7 p.m., feel free to contact me, call me, text me, all those fun things. But if you're calling me at 10 p.m. at night, it better be because the building's on fire and you should not be calling me, you should be calling the fire department, right? Because I can't go put it out. Um, But thank you for letting me know. So I try to emulate that and I really try to lead by example. I also have done things, I found creative ways, especially with this, this workforce, um, our workers that we have, or maybe our younger workforce that's, that, are, that have these demands. There's so many articles about that. 
um, that if you think you're gonna come run your business the way you did pre-pandemic, you're nuts, it's not gonna work. You've got to change or get out of the way. There's a great quote about it that I won't you know, botch and, and mess up here, um, but that seven to seven rule is one of them. I also, Sundays are sacred, um, not just in a religious way, whatever you practice out there, um, but sacred for self-care, self-care Sundays. It's, it's simple to say, but it's harder to do. Um, but that I have a hard rule on. There will be no work calls on Sundays unless, of course, there is an extenuating circumstance of which I have yet Jamie, to find. Jamie, what kind of boundaries do you set up before we, we end? Do you put any boundaries? No, I, I, I agree with the, um, the the seven to seven. That's a great idea. We we, we try to, to adhere to like the mm-hmm. business hours, um, but you never know when there is an emergency. I, I need you to feel free. One thing that I have done on my phone is put the, to, the bedtime Ooh, at eight yeah. o'clock. Oh, yeah. That's so a good that one. Do, not can, do not disturb. Uh, that has significantly helped me to be able to say now I know that I've got the visual reminder to stay um wow stay so maybe it's how technology can <laughs> help us exactly. that, that would be great that's what we can do but um, I mean first of all I could go on forever with the two of you you have been remarkable I've learned so much I've learned a lot about how we could do things and do things better in the workplace so I would like to thank both of you so much. And honestly, you're both coming back. There is no way you're not. We're going to be able to talk about technology, and we're going to have a great time. But um, for all of you, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Please log on to ksat.com for more tools and mental health resources. We can't wait to see you back here um, in our next month's um, episode. And remember, I go through it so you don't have to. Thank you and have a wonderful month.